Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. On this special episode of the Boone Podcast, we wrap up 2021 with special guest host, national sports radio personality, Rich Herrera. Rumbling and bumbling and stumbling and oh my! And now... Here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, we're going to wrap up 2021. From Brady to the Braves to the MLB lockout. We'll also discuss some of my favorite podcasts of the year. Joining me to break this all down is National Sports Talk Show host, Rich Herrera. Rich, thanks for coming on the program. What do you got for me? Booney, uni, uni. I call that because I call you that because I earned. I heard that in one of our podcasts. That was your nickname from one of your teammates. That's Eric Davis, and he, he still call calls you. me that to this day. Anytime I see him, I can hear him from across the lobby. Booney, uni, uni. There's only one person that. Well, now there's two. You got, <laughs> well, you you got Herrera what? and you got Eric Davis. If I can hang out with Eric the Red, that's that's not bad, is it? Eric the Red is a fun guy to hang out with. Always entertaining. He's got a. Uh, a lot of info. His podcast was actually one of my favorites of the year. All right. We're going to talk about all your favorite podcasts that we had this year, but we wanted to review 2021. So let's just start off with the biggest story of the year, which was Tom Brady, the remarkable, ageless goat, greatest of all time, leaving the New England Patriots, going down to the hapless Tampa Bay Buccaneers and winning a Super Bowl. I want to get Un- your take on that. Unbelievable. You know, just the fact that he's... It, the fact that he's 44 and doing what he's doing right now is is impressive enough. But I think it, it goes beyond that. I mean, <laughs> this guy, you know, and, and I don't know that much about the quarterback position. Obviously, never played it. But in talking to the quarterbacks, they said not only is it impressive at his age what he's doing, but you just pick up and go into an entire, you know, entirely new offense and win your first year. They said it's off the charts. It's unbelievable. Um, I, I'm in a, Rich, you ever have one of those buddies that just everything kind of goes right for, you know, we're, we're yeah, in Vegas, too. right. But we're, we're at the roulette wheel and, Oh, what, it's red. It well, of course could be red because that guy said it's going to be red. It seems like when you're watching Brady on TV, you just know, Everything's going to go right, and he's going to win, and the field goal is going to win it at the end, or they're going to push it in with no time on the clock. And he's just got that smile on his – I mean, the aura that he has, he's hes unbelievable. I, I wasn't the biggest Brady fan in the world. I've come to just appreciate all he's done, and I think, you know, he is the – he's the hes the goat. He's the greatest Okay, but how much time. do you appreciate two things? Number one – that he wasn't hyped. He wasn't the next coming. He was a guy who was a low draft pick, mid-round draft pick, rode the bench until he got his opportunity, wasn't ever thought. Nobody ever projected him to do this. So if you have a guy that comes out with that little hype and that little expectation to do what he does is awfully impressive. It doesn't happen that often. In the base world, I think of Mike Piazza. You know, he's what the last pick in the draft. He was Lasorda's uh, nephew, and it was kind of a favor, and everybody kind of poo pooed it at the time. I remember seeing him in the minor leagues, and he was unbelievable. Uh, he ends up being the, the greatest, the greatest offensive catcher in the history of the game. So that's my baseball reference to that. But what Tom's done, I mean, how much can there's not really much more you can say about it. He's won seven Super Bowls, is three MVPs, five. Super Bowl MVPs, 15-time Pro Bowler. I don't know. I just figure he he's separated himself. He's every bit the level Jordan's at. And, you know, you want to pick the greatest of all. Uh, Tiger Woods, you know, the greatest golfer ever. Uh, Brady's in that breath, and at least on parallel with them. And some people say he's even exceeded what they've done. All right, I don't so know. How much, how much do you envy him? Is retired playing, looking at this old man still playing at the top of his game. And and it seems like it's not going away. What are they, 11 and 4 now? It, it, would, it surprise, again. would it surprise anybody if he won again? Or, no. or do you kind of just, you'd be surprised if he didn't win again. That's how much his legacy follows him around. I think he's got to the, that, he's gotten to that point. 
I, I follow him now on Instagram. He cracks me up. He'll, he'll have updates after each win. And, you know, he's got Gronk in the background with some funky tune on and saying, uh, you know, basically, we did it again with that, oh, shucks, look on his face. I, I went from a guy that wasn't that big of a fan to just respect the hell out of him. Uh, that's obvious. But but I, I almost find myself cheering for him, even though, you know, a lot of times people like to knock down the guy that's at the top of the hill and has won so much. I find myself, can he do it again? And how impressive that'll be. Well, you bring up the buddy movie, which is uh, TB12 and Gronk. I mean, how cool is it that it's it's this buddy cop movie that they did it in New England. Now they're doing it in, in Tampa Bay. I think it's awesome. I, I think that whole that that whole shtick, that whole I don't know. Do you know anybody now? Because, you know, the guys love that they love to hate, especially fans love to hate guys at the top. Do you know anybody that that can't stand Brady now? I, I don't. I, I think when he comes on, he he. He has so much clout now that he wins a Super Bowl, goes partying on a boat, comes out drunk <laughs> and kind of wobbly, and people find it endearing. He threw the it, Super Bowl trophy. Right. And how many people in today's times can go, go out, get drunk, be drunk on camera and and be cheered for it because they know what a straight arrow guy he is. Could you imagine if he had lost the trophy into the bay? Oh, they would have got him a new one. They wouldn't have cared. <laughs> it's it's tremendous. He's he's there's nobody like him, I think, right now in sports. I don't think there's ever been anybody like him. If this because he's done everything. He, he's the greatest of all time for what he's done on the field. He's pushed back father time. He's won in multiple places because, you know, there's that culture they had in New England. And then he walks into this culture of losing in Tampa Bay and instantly, bang, turns the whole thing around. It, it reminds me of the stories that you talked about the culture when you went to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, it's everything he touches. I'm telling you, he's that guy that walks around. If he says black or red on a roulette. Uh, wheel it's always going to come up what he said if you're thinking of a number between one and ten to who's going to who's going to do the laundry he's going to win he's going to pick the correct number it's just shoots and ladders he's going to win monopoly he's going to have boardwalk and park place it's just because it's him and when he gets it he, he already knows it's like that golden horseshoe he's got it not saying he hasn't earned it. He has, but he's the guy that, that wins the, the board game. He's the guy that, that goes bowling and, and beats every, time. yeah, but he beats everybody at, at, you know, the Christmas bowling when both sides of the family are there and, and, and Brady wins. That's just who he is. He's kind of a, he's kind of a Greg Maddox type guy. I, I see that in Greg Maddox on the baseball side. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone Podcast. Dan? Hey, thanks, Boone. Football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. Hey, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So why wait? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOONE, B-O-O-N-E, bet $1 on either team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code BOONE this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the Best of the Boon podcast 2021 with Rich Herrera. Okay, let's continue our look around 2021. I wanted to ask you about fresh fresh faces. Uh, the NBA Finals uh, this year featured Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
taking the Milwaukee Brewers from from relative obscurity to winning a championship in such a convincing fashion. How excited do you get for fresh faces like the Greek freak coming um, into his own and really seeing these kids start to start to plateau? Because we've seen in baseball, we saw in the NBA this next generation coming around. It's always cool because it's it's kind of passing of the torch, you know, and what's that next generation going to be like? I, I think in the baseball arena, I think we've seen that torch being passed. And, and it's not always it's great because it's it's debatable. It's not everybody thinks, oh, this is the greatest. There's always going to be those fans out there that that want to stay in their generation, their favorite generation. They don't, never want their sport to change. There's others that welcome change. I think you're seeing that in, in all sports right now. But uh, it's interesting. At the end of at, at the end of the day, history's always going to going to judge each and every generation, whether it's NFL, whether it's the NBA, whether it's uh, the National Football League, NHL, uh, they're going to judge each and every uh, generation on on how great it was or, or how cool of a time that was. And, and that's going to be an ongoing debate from grandparents to to parents to to the kids. And I think that's what's great about sports. I always welcome the, the fresh face. Obviously, I'm paying a lot more attention on the baseball side to see the next up and coming generation and, and how they're going to treat this game. Uh, as long as they respect the game, I, I love change. I love each 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 decade putting their their kind of stamp on what it's going to be like, how the NBA is going to be. So I always welcome the fresh faces. Um, you know, one of the other big stories of the year was the Tampa Bay Lightning winning back to back. Everyone just expects. Once you win, the Braves won this year. Hey, Braves, go back and win it again. Everybody expects, hey, Tom Brady, go back and win it again. How hard is it to have sustained success in professional sports? I think uh, the older I get, the more I reflect on on my career, the more I reflect on winning the Super Bowl, uh, winning the NBA championship, winning a World Series. I got to go to a World Series. I know what it's like. I got whooped. Yankees whooped us my my. <clears throat> one and only chance I got to go there. I played with so many players, so many great players that never got to go to a World Series, let alone win a World Series. Some of the greatest players in all sports uh, never got a chance to go to 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 a Super Bowl, uh, to an NHL final, and, and win a uh, go to a uh, the Stanley Cup final, let alone win one. I I, I have the utmost respect. I know you got to be lucky. You got to be right time, right place. Uh, but but to win back to back, winning one is hard enough. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. But winning back to back, I don't know. It's got it's a combination of things. Like I said, you got to be lucky. You got to obviously be great, and you got to be hot at the right time. I think this year we saw that with the Atlanta Braves. I mean, think of those Braves teams through the through the '90s with the Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. Think of those Cleveland Indian teams uh, in the AL during that same time of the '90s. Great teams. Between the two of them, they won one World Series. So I always try to bring it back to something I'm familiar with, and that's and that's Major League Baseball. <clears throat> but it definitely transcends to to the NHL, to the NBA, to to the NFL. And and uh, man, it is so hard to do. And and when I see a team win for the first time, or a great player that's that's been playing for a long time and breaks through and, and wins that championship, I kind of as a fan sit back and smile because I think, how cool is that? doesn't happen to everybody uh they're so hard to win and uh it's just a cool thing come championship time no matter what the sport is um speaking of things you're familiar with and that's ballparks and stadiums uh, a year ago fans were kept out uh due to covid this year stadiums and teams and leagues uh brought the fans back into the arenas and the stadiums across america uh, how weird was that for you watching baseball played in front of cardboard cutouts and how nice was it to see the season uh, having fans going to Dodger Stadium and Oracle Park and Yankee Stadium and uh, Great American Ballpark and T-Mobile and all the rest? Well, I think when it first happened, you know, it, it was what it was. You know, they were making the best of a bad situation. Um, I remember watching the first uh, broadcast, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, – baseball came back in that bubble and, and no fans in the stands. And I thought, 
as a player, how strange that would be. But as time moved on, um, I think like anything else, you get used to it. But I thought at the beginning, this must be so bizarre going into an empty stadium. You know, they're they're filtering in the background, the, the background noise. And and I was never in the stadium, so I'd never got to hear that that pin drop moment. Uh, and I don't know what it was like. I don't know if they had they had volume piped in to the to the stadiums themselves for the players. I, I expect not. I think on the TV side, I think they did a great job and they were making the best of a bad situation. It was a 60 game season. They they put on a they did the they did a good job. And I think that postseason kind of put the cherry on top for, you know, once again, not to reiterate, but I'm going to reiterate uh, the best of a bad situation. They they gave us an, a great playoff run and they crowned the World Series. Dodgers happened to win that year. And I think they did the best of a bad situation uh, this year. A little bit different, you know, and, and I don't know if you all you'll touch on that later. But that lockout, you know, I, I think well, the we'll fans the lockout, were very, but just just having the fans return back into the stands is where I was going. I think the fans coming back in the stands is great. I think as players, that's why we play. You can't recreate that real live packed house, uh, postseason, uh, chill in the air, electricity. I can't explain it to you. You have to witness it. You gotta, you, you gotta come out of that dugout when uh, right after that national anthem plays and run to your position in the postseason at Yankee Stadium. Let's say, for example, there's nothing like it in that crowd. That electricity. It's it's something that you can't replace that you can't replace. And and I couldn't that's why I couldn't imagine playing without fans. I was thinking, are we on the backfield in spring training playing a B game, you know, where I'm trying to get some extra bats against uh, against a ball guys? That's how it felt when they first opened the stadiums up with no fans in the stands. It's just a very bizarre thing. But like anything else, I, I think you just get used to it. It is what it is. And, and you move on and, and you act like a professional. A couple other things I wanted to talk to you about in 2021. One is Coach K is going to hang him up. This is going to be the last year. For Mike Krzyzewski, he'll retire as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, five national championships. What's the key to success, do you think, for someone like him that has all those championships? Bobby Cox that had those Braves playing at the top of their game for so long. Joe Torrey with all those championships with the New York Yankees. What makes these coaches uh, so different than everybody else? Well, first you got to have the players. Let's, let's be honest about that. Obviously the great ones uh, find a way when they get those, those group of players in that room, that particular season, that particular ball club um, and, and, and how you, how you handle the players, how, how you handle the, each individual ego, how, how you stroke, how you give a hug to one player and, and stick your foot in the other players behind uh, to get the same result. You know, we've talked about that a lot. <clears throat> the great ones have a way they have an aura about them. They have that it factor. When they enter a room, they have a presence, they have the respect. And when it comes to uh, college situation, uh, coach K, uh, you know, he, he built up that Duke program where he, he got it to a point where every kid growing up playing college or playing basketball, uh, man, one day being a blue Duke, or Duke blue devil, what a, what a dream that would be a dream fulfilled. That would be. So he had the platform, you know, it's almost like Notre Dame in the, in the seventies and eight, man, you grow up as a football player, Notre Dame, that's the pinnacle. I think he built that in the college basketball arena uh, with Duke. So that helped, but we never forget He's the one that that built it to what it was. And you hear the stories of the players uh, present and past that played for for Coach K. He had that it factor that all the great ones have. All right. You did a couple of cool things this year. You went to uh, Seattle throughout the first pitch uh, commemorating the 20th anniversary of the All-Star Game, one of the most historic All-Star Games uh, in the history of Major League Baseball. I know I sent you a text. I recorded. I watched the game. Sweeney Murdy. Our friend uh, also was texting you. We were watching uh, Brett Boone out there playing for the Mariners. How cool was that for you? Well, it's good. I haven't been back to Seattle in a few years. And, uh, you know, they, the, whatever the, the, the rules that they had in place in, in Seattle, uh, it didn't really set up well for bringing that entire team back to, to do kind of a commemorative 20-year anniversary type deal. I, I kind of miss that because I like getting together with that group of guys. But it was cool. You know, Seattle's changed a lot. 
Uh, actually, they they put together a 90-win season this year. We know they haven't been to the postseason in, in, <laughs> since that 01 season. So uh, there's a long dry spell up in Seattle. I think the nucleus they have coming now uh, is promising. You got a couple young uh, players that I think are going to be exciting going going forward for Seattle. And the key is going to be this offseason. Uh, if, if they can add some key pieces uh, to that ball club, that's going to make them a contender uh, starting in 2022. But just going back to Seattle, um, to my old stomping grounds, you know, the city that, that now uh, when it's all said and done, I call home. You know, I played a long time in Cincinnati and I really enjoyed my time there. But when I think of my career, my best years were in Seattle. That city really embraced me. And to go back there, uh, I've thrown out a few first pitches for him, but this time was a little bit different. I don't know if I'm getting uh, if I'm getting sentimental as I get older, Rich, but uh, just a, an appreciation came over me that that. I haven't had before uh, going back there. And it was really nice, not just throwing out the first pitch, but interacting with the fans. I had a, I had a session with the uh, season ticket holders and took pictures and signed autographs. And it was just cool seeing, seeing the older generation kind of embrace me and say, Booney, we, we remember those times uh, in the early two thousands when this place was rocking and uh, it makes you appreciate the fans. And, and like I said, I don't know if it's, I'm getting a little bit older, but, but a definite, uh, I felt a lot of appreciation just being not only back in the stadium, but back in that city, just walking around town, interacting with the people there that, that really appreciate sports in Seattle. One of the other things you did this year is you got to go to see your alma mater play football, the University of Southern California. So when you walk on the field of Coliseum, I know your dad went and the boys went, and it was a pretty special time. I wanted to ask you this. Now, one of the big stories of the year is name, image, and likeness, NIL. College athletes are now able to do endorsements, use their name and their image and their likeness. What would Brett Boone have done if he could have had an NIL deal when he was at USC? What would Rodney Pete, your third baseman, have done if he could have had an NIL deal when he was playing for the Trojans? Well, I think Rodney Pete would have would have he would have done one thing. He would have made a lot more money than I would have made as a second baseman for the Trojans. You know, Rodney, when I came in, Rodney was was the man. You know, at USC, when you're a quarterback and you're winning Rose Bowls and you play for the for for the Trojans, uh, it's a big deal. Especially in LA, it's kind of a national uh, national podium they kind of put you on. But uh, I, I don't know, Rich. This is really interesting for me. Because I see that the amount of revenue that's generated year after year uh, in the college football arena, and it's massive. And it, the debate will go on and on about how should these these players be compensated. A lot of people come from from the side of the ledger that says, well, they get an education. But these guys are, are creating billions of dollars for these universities. And, and when I say billions, I obviously collectively, not on an individual basis, but the big programs, the USC's, the uh, the Alabama's currently, you know, have, have had an unbelievable run. The amount of money they make for not only for for the universities, but for the networks, for for everybody involved, uh, it seems like a prudent thing to, to pay these players. The problem is, is you've got a second string linebacker and, and you've got the, the guy that's on the cover of the, of the, of the, uh, of the program, the, the guy, the quarterback, the, the all American, how can both be compensated and what is fair name, image, likeness. I see what you're saying. Does that create a, a, uh, a rift amongst players when you've got a quarterback uh, that's making uh, hand over fist tons of money and that guy hiking you the ball is making nothing. You know, I don't know. I just don't know because it's so new for all of us, but it's something to think about. I don't have the right answer how you create that perfect formula. I like the fact that they're getting some money into the hands of these college athletes that are creating so much money for these entities. I just don't have the perfect formula for what's going to be work. I, what's, what, what's fair. I think that'll be worked out. I think time will tell. And, and this is the first phase of it, but I don't know. I think a lot of college athletes right now are kind of kind of excited about this. How are they going to brand themselves? How are they going to uh, present themselves on these on these social media platforms? It's definitely going to be interesting. Definitely something uh, that that's going to kind of just weave its way. And we're going to find out how well it works uh, sooner than later. So go back in the day when you're on there on South Figueroa in, in Los Angeles at USC. 
What's the one endorsement that Brett Boone might have been able to pull off? Chicks dig the long ball, baby. (laughs) And we just run with it. It, That's the thing that's funny. I mean, you got to find, you know, if you're on that baseball team, that baseball team at USC, (laughs) we're kind of the doormat. I mean, you're talking about the football team. That's all anybody cares about at USC. We're lucky we got 250 people at a Stanford SC game. Uh, you know, on a Friday night. So it, it's not like we were getting the spotlight over there. So I think us baseball players, we would have been, man, we would have been thinking of ways to, to how can, how can we make a little more cash on the side so we can have a little more fun. on the So what, what, what was your go-to place though? I mean, maybe someplace that you went and ate all the time, uh, Brett Boone for. Brett Boone for uh, the five Oh. Which was a, a, a the five zero, which the the nine zero one club in in uh, at at USC is kind of the big fraternity bar and and the sorority bar, and then there there was a there was a bar called the five zero where they had great pizza. Dan would love the pizza because it was thick crust, that Chicago style, but it was kind of an entity for the athletes. You'd always see the football players, the basketball players, the baseball players. Uh, frequenting that place and uh that was kind of one of our our, our little our little places and if we were going out on the weekend we'd always start at the 5-0 they'd always have pizzas ready for us i think they gave us good deals by being athletes and and then we'd go about our time so i i think i would have started and ended with the 501 club it's no longer there by the way i, I would have loved to hear that commercial hi this is brett boone for the 5-0 club yeah it's 501 but everybody hey you going to the 5-0 you know how it is. That's slang. <laughs> I love we're, it. We're good like that. All right. A couple of big stories, uh, both in the world of golf, which you are a huge fan of the PGA. Number one, Tiger Woods in the uh, the crash and uh, all the speculation afterwards. He gets back on the course and plays with Charlie, but might not ever come back to resembling the golfer that he was uh, before the crash. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I get a lot of thoughts on that. Tiger, uh, in my mind, greatest greatest golfer ever born. Uh, in the last 15 years, he's had, he's had a lot of different headlines. You know, he's turned his life around. He's, uh, he won the Masters a few years back. Unbelievable. And, 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 I, and I really do have an appreciation for golf because as you do get older, man, it's tough to keep up with that youth. It's just you, you can't fake youth. And as you get into your 40s, as Tiger is, to compete against these 25-year-old kids on the PGA Tour that are, that are you know, they're athletes now. They're, they're well-oiled machines. You know, they're different than the athletes that, that came through 20, 30, 40 years ago. Tiger was that guy. He was the first guy that trained. You know, he was the new generation athlete. Now he's got to compete with a whole, a plethora of those guys. So I think what he's got to uh, overcome, obviously, at his age is not going to be easy. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Tiger Woods, the great, the greatest in my mind of all time. Uh, usually those guys that are so elite, so much above everybody else. I mean, look at his wins. You know, Mickelson, who's an unbelievable player. He's got half the wins Tiger's got, half. And that's the second best player of the last 40 years. That's how much better he is than the best. So if anybody can do it, he can do it. Um, that was a pretty pretty uh, hellacious crash. And, you know, I've never had my legs shattered like that. So I, I, I can't pretend to know what he's going through. But I don't know. I, I, I don't like a lot of the drama leading up to, oh, is he going to play? Oh. It's Tiger Woods. He puts his mind, focus, uh, training back at it. He's never going to be able to compete with the 25-year-olds on a consistent bit. You just can't do it when you're in your 40s. It's just. Unless it, you're Tom Brady. We're talking on the golf course. We're talking right, on the golf right. course. Uh, but if anybody can do it, it it's not going to surprise me one bit if Tiger returns. He looked pretty good for being rusty. You know, I know it was just a side game playing with Charlie. Uh, not that big of a deal. Not that intense weekend at a major type atmosphere. 
I'll tell you what, his swing looked pretty good. He was he was hitting shots, and he's he's barely getting loose right now. I mean, I don't know when he's going to come back. I know he's planning a comeback. I don't know when that'll be. But I think what you hear him say is, uh, I'm never going to re- return to the PGA Tour on a consistent basis. I think that's the injury as well as age. It, it limits you. But it's not going to surprise me one bit. You know, I'm going to if he wins, they're going to make it like it's this unbelievable thing. Well, I just think I know how much better Tiger was than everybody else. It's not going to surprise me one bit if you see him win another tournament. Also making news, you mentioned Phil Mickelson when he won at the age of 50, the PGA championship, six major championship of his career. Old guys rule. Another guy. Unbelievable. And he's really grown on me through the years. I think Mickelson, uh, you know, the Tiger rivalry. I, I don't know. He he just has the ability to be self-deprecating now more than ever in the last five or ten years. He He's actually really funny. Another guy I'm following. It's crazy that I'm following people on, on social media, but I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram, I love listening to his little bits he does. I mean, he's fun. And think how great this guy is. I don't know how many wins he's got, Rich. I think it's in the mid-40s. I, I mean, to put it in perspective, there's Hall of Fame golfers that have 14 wins. Right. Mickelson's mid-40s. And, and you think if there was no Tiger Woods, Mickelson would be the how many greatest. What do you have? Exactly. But the, the fact is, there is a Tiger Woods. And the fact that he has double just tells you the, the enormity of what Tiger's been able to accomplish. It's unbelievable. That being said, and, and I don't think Phil would mind anybody saying that. You're the second best player of your generation when that player is Tiger Woods. I think Phil is uh, sitting in a pretty good spot being second best unbelievable player he he never uh the fact that he's winning and he won at 50 uh didn't surprise me one bit you know i I, and and back to what i was talking about earlier those elite 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 guys it never surprises me when they do something miraculous winning on the pga tour at 50 winning a major that's ridiculous but it's phil mickelson it's phil mickelson there's a difference well think about the antagonist protagonist aspect of this Phil drove Tiger. Tiger drove Phil. They both uh, battled for so many years. And you could throw in um, some of the other golfers that came and went uh, during Tiger's reign and Phil and what Phil's doing right now. But the fact that he was able to just continue to grind and grind, and he has six majors, that's something remarkable. Now, here's the, here's the million-dollar question. Booney, he's 50 years old. He won a major championship. Does Brett Boone right now have one good MLB at bat. If I could sign you for one day and get you out there against a top flight Cy Young Award quality pitcher, could Brett Boone, could Brett Boone right now dig down in whatever Phil Mickelson has and, and, and pick up a knock? Pick up a knock. Well, golf is different than baseball. It's much different. Yes, I could. Now, it would probably be a lucky knock. <laughs> but if you, you said, all right, one game, is it one at bat or one game? I was going to ask for one. I was just asking for one at bat. But if you can think I take, you got a can game. I, can I take pain meds? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you so all it, so you it do, want. So it doesn't matter. I just have to prepare for this one day. One day. And you're, and in fact, I, we'll I, I, easy, I can, you, you have to DH. Oh, I got. I don't even have to play the field. No, you oh, DH. With, without a doubt, I could go out there and compete. Without a doubt. Now, would I be successful? That's another question. I'm not going to put. I'm not going to put any money that I'm going to get a hit, <laughs> but that I can compete and not completely humiliate myself. I'm going to bet on me if you give me one game. I might strike out. I might, but but humiliation's one thing, striking out's one thing, but I said humiliate. No, I could compete and I could fake you out as a viewer to think, oh, he's he's okay. You know, I, I do that once in a time once in a while, I'll jump in the cage with the with the young kids, with the minor league guys, and I'll take a couple swings. Oh, you could st- no, this is it's <laughs> obvious. You know, it's obvious my age. And even against these minor league guys, it's like, wow, they have that that it youthful spring in their legs. That's the one thing that you lose, Rich, is you lose those legs. 
you just don't have that explosion that you have when you're 20 in your 20s and and in your 30s it starts to leave you in your late 30s but in your 20s and your 30s you just have that 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 youthful explosion that you can't recreate and it doesn't matter how much time you spend in the gym but to not make this long story too much longer one night, you give me the date. I train for it. I'm ready. And I could actually out, go out and play second base. I would be, wow. I would be, keep me around the bag. Let me turn a double play. No problem. Uh, you're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a couple steps short on both sides, but you're just saying one game. Just one I think game. I, I think I can do it and not humiliate myself. I'll probably go over for four. Probably. It would have to be lucky for me to get a hit, but I'm just, the, the bet is, I don't want to embarrass myself and humiliate myself. I could fake it for one day. Second part of that question is how much pain would you be in the next day? Ice tub, but I'd be ice tubbing up to the event just so I'm almost numb when I go onto the field. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's continue. One of the guys still has that step in his legs and and the power and all the rest is Shohei Otani, who you raved about all season long. I want to hear your thoughts on Otani um, now that he's won his MVP, you saw him play the whole season. He's done something that no one's done since Babe Ruth. And I say that knowing that there's a lot of haters out there, but please tell me somebody who was out there starting pitching, hitting at the same time the way Otani is since the great Bambino, and I will correct myself. No one's even close. Uh, you know, we had a lot of shows at the end of the year breaking down who should win this, who should win that. Uh, when it came to the MVP, it, it was over at, at the All-Star game for me. What what Otani was doing uh, on both sides, and I mean the pitching side and the and the uh, position player side, has never been done before. And you can talk about Babe Ruth all you want. I wasn't there. I don't know how much he played, but the way they used Otani, he was going to the rubber every fifth day, every fifth or sixth day. Uh, he logged 130 innings. That's pretty consistent. You know, it's kind of the innings of a fifth starter. Um, he had a three one eight ERA. He went nine and two. This guy hit forty six homers, drove in a hundred, and the most impressive out of all his numbers this year, he stole twenty six bags. He stole home. And you know the cool part, Rich, watching Otani. He knew he was doing something that had never been done before. You could tell that he's a really good guy, but the look on his face, that wry smile when he would steal a base, because he knew I'm doing something no one's ever done before. The players were appreciating it around him. The players I talked to say it's unbelievable what he was doing. I know how it is. And to play this game every day as a position player is ridiculous the amount of work you have to put in to stay sharp. The fact that he was doing that and then in between doing his pitcher, uh, in between starts routine, it, it's something that's never been done before. I don't know. I, I, I'll be floored if he can keep this up and keep playing at an all-star level as a pitcher and a position player. And then it comes to his contract. What do you do? How much is that worth? How much is 9-2 and two with a 3-1? being the ace of the staff and hit and hitting 46 homer driving in a hundred and stealing bases. How much is that worth in arbitration? I don't think there's a number. I think you go there and you, it, you don't even know what to put up there. That would be a fair number. So definitely story of the year, definitely something we've never seen before. Appreciate it. Cause we may never see it again. Uh, but it was something that just made my jaw drop. Speaking of baseball, let's uh, let's put a postscript on the baseball season. Then we got to talk about the lockout, the Atlanta Braves winning it all over the Houston Astros. Um, this Braves team was pretty special. Awesome. And at the end of the year, when the postseason was announced, uh, I picked the Braves as the one team that had no chance to win it all. Shows you how much I know. Um, interesting. 88-73. Kind of played a lackluster season. Kind of didn't know what was going to happen. They ended up taking over that division at the end and winning that division. Uh, they ended. Up, they had to go through the Brewers and and you know, in my best estimation, on paper, beat the best team, and that was the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers are for another day. How they went about their postseason, very bizarre to me. Some of the moves I thought were very questionable. Nevertheless, Braves got through them. Ended up beating uh, Houston. And the stories I, the storyline I saw, there were some key guys, and it was Riley, uh, the third baseman, 
that during the regular season drove in 107 runs, hit 33. Duvall, who played a huge role. Rosario had the unbelievable postseason. Uh, Morton breaks his breaks his leg, <laughs> you know, and I think his second start, uh, and they have to go on without him. But Freed steps up, Ian Anderson, and the key to that team was that bullpen. Will Smith didn't give up an earned run, I believe, in the entire postseason. Tyler Matzik was that specialist out of the bullpen. He was unbelievable. Uh, Freddie Freeman started off real real slow, but came on strong and, and was the Freddie Freeman we know. Um I just think it's it's one of those things that we talked about at the at the opening, how special these World Series are. And nobody saw that coming. If you told me I knew the Braves were going to win uh, once that postseason hit, I, I, I would say you're not being truthful. But the fact that they did, uh, you know, Jock Peterson coming in with the pearls and and hitting the timely homers in that postseason. That's another unsung hero. Uh, Solar uh, hitting that huge home run. I, I mean, there were so many heroes on that team and you're missing the greatest player, maybe the best player in baseball in Acuna. He went out, you know, mid season. So, so when Acuna went down, everybody says, Oh, the Braves have no chance. Well, they're holding the trophy now. And, and to reiterate back to the opening, just how special these world series, these super bowls are. You don't get a chance to go to them, let alone win them too often. I found myself smiling, not only because I picked the Braves to have no chance, but to see that group of players celebrating on the field and thinking, wow, that is so cool uh, to win because it's so hard and it was so unlikely. And and they beat the, the, the Goliaths and the Dodgers and the Brewers who had an unbelievable pitching staff, probably maybe the, the, the class of the postseason as far as starting rotation goes. They went through those two giants uh, to beat the Houston Astros and uh, just a really cool moment. Okay, we talked about uh, the season. It was great, but now there's a, um, a pall across baseball with the lockout. Um, players aren't happy. Owners aren't happy. Fans aren't happy. And uh, I'm just not sure what to make of this, Booney. It's tough. You know, I was the I was the rep in '94 for for the Cincinnati Reds, and it was an educational process. And I was I was. Uh, I was told by my father, hey, educate yourself, get in, do the meetings, find out what it's all about. And so you can make your own, formulate your own mind, and your own opinion and uh, make your own choice. I did that. Uh, I was floored by what goes on behind closed doors in those in those uh, meetings with the players and the owners. It, it would boggle a lot of people's minds. The one thing I've I've uh, I've learned is you cannot know exactly what's going on unless you are a current player, unless you're in those rooms and hear the back and forth, hear what's actually being offered, what's actually being reciprocated. You've got to be in there because it's a lot like politics. You know, you come out of those meetings and there's and there's reporters all over the place and one thing gets thrown out and the next thing they come to you and say, they said this. And I said, no, they didn't say that. So the only way to tr- to truly have an, a true understanding of what's going on is you've got to be on the ground level. You got to be a current player. You got to be on one of those negotiating teams and be in those rooms to know what's truly going on. Here's my best guess. And I'll throw a, uh, I'll throw my, my thoughts out there. I think the pandemic we went through the 60 season, I think the fans were very understanding. They knew we did the best job we could. And when I say we, I mean, major league baseball, uh, they're forgiving for that. They have no problem with that. If you don't start on time, and, and I'm not saying waste the season. If you don't start on time, I think a percentage of fans are going to go away. And that's a dangerous, uh, uh, it's a dangerous precedent to start. I think uh, arbitration and free agency, I think the players want less time to be a free agent, less time to be arbitration eligible. I think the owners, and, and I can take, I can play devil's advocate here. I think the owners have a point when they say, no, now we're pouring millions of dollars into these young players in the amateur draft. Uh, they're paying their, their housing this year. So they're saying that's why we want three years arbitration, six years free agency, because of the investment we're putting into these young players at a young age. They have a point there. That's what I think the main sticking point is. I think they want the tax. The players want the tax threshold increased. I think the owners agree to do that, but they can't decide on what the number is. Um, I think they want the minimum salary raised. I think they both agree that they will raise it. 
Players have one number, owners have the other. That's something that can be worked out. Postseason, the owners want 14 games. Uh, the players want 12. Ah, you settle on 13 and you're done right there. Um, I just think, man, there's just so many sticking points. Uh, the thing that troubles me, Rich, is there's going to be no urgency till February. And the first, the first pressure point, I think, is going to be when two weeks from now, people start talking about that's when pitchers and catchers report. Now you've got the fans here and going, you've been quiet all December. You've been quiet all January. Now you're, you're, you're messing with the season. You're messing on back and uh, backing it up from, I think, March 30th this year. Oh, now we're going to go to mid April. Now you're going to go to uh, May. Now all of a sudden you're going to lose a percentage of those fans. I think if you lose a majority of the season or half a season, I think you're in jeopardy of losing fans for a while. I'm a proponent that, that MLB Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball, always will be. It's apple pie, Chevrolet, Major League Baseball. It'll never go away. But I think you really risk right now losing a lot of fans for a while. Uh, I went through that 94, getting that World Series canceled. It took us years, three, four years to get the game back to where it was uh, pre-cancellation of the World Series. I think you're in dangerous territory if you start going down this road. I just think, man, with with today's society, with the technology we have, with the way you're you're interacting worldwide, you know, you got players from all over the world now that are a part of Major League Baseball. Uh, you're sitting on a gold mine. The money that that the players are making, the the revenue that Major League Baseball is producing, man, it, it would be it would be sad. And as a fan, I would be very disappointed uh, if something happened and we missed part of this season let alone the entire season. But I also, as a, as, a, as a former player and a guy that's been in those rooms, understand that it's just not black and white. It's not just, oh, you're greedy, you're greedy. No, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And until I have entirely uh, the complete set of facts uh, to sit there and have an opinion, would well, I don't think would be the smart thing to do. I just hope as a fan, they get it all worked out. All right, a couple of things I wanted to touch before uh, we wrap this up. Hey, I know you got to be excited. Uh, your brother uh, is will come back and manage the Yankees again next year. Yeah, uh, I was, I was, I was happy for uh, for, for Uncle Arn. Uh, I know that that was a stressful season for him this year, and you know I stay out of it for the most part. But you can't help but the brother side of you feel for him when when they're going through those peaks and valleys, especially in 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 New York. Now, let me tell you this. I don't feel sorry for him. You know, I always say, so you want to be the manager of the New York Yankees. That's a big job with big uh, rewards, with a lot of perks. But you're in the hot seat. And and when things aren't going good, you're going to get a lot of heat. You know, I, I think he's prepared for that. So it's not that I feel sorry, but I know that it can be very tough. I know Aaron's personality. It really wears on him a lot. He's a lot like my dad. And I saw my dad go through it when he was managing. That being said, on the analytical side, and I take my brother hat off, Aaron Boone's done a hell of a job for the New York Yankees. You know, I was just going over the numbers. He's, he's 328 and 218, I think, since he's taken over in, in 2018. He's won 100 games twice. Uh, they got back to the postseason last year. And I told him at the end of the season, all things, you know, if you account for everything that went on through that season, I said, hell of a season. Your team wasn't good enough to win the World Series. And if we're being honest, on paper, the Yankees of 2021, they weren't good enough. So <laughs> who do you put the blame on? I don't know. Is it the players? Is it because you didn't get the right players? I don't know. But I know looking at that piece of paper, the Yankees weren't good enough uh, last year. Signed a four-year deal with him. I was happy. I think he's he can relax a little bit and just go out and manage. Hopefully this this – uh, lockout gets resolved and, and they can add the pieces they need to New York. The one thing about New York is they expect a lot. Those those are some of the greatest fans in the world, those New York Yankee fans. But I'll tell you, they the, the bar for them is high. They demand a lot. And they don't just demand you win and get to the postseason. They demand that you win the World Series. Anything short of that. Uh, for me, I never got to play in New York in that big of a, of a, uh, of a limelight on a consistent basis. 
But I love that. I would love to be in a position as a player as as win win the whole thing or or we're not happy. I think that's pretty cool, and it and it makes your game rise as well as everybody else's. I think it's a cool position to be in. I I, uh, I think Aaron's going to do a great job for this team and, and over the next four years. But but definitely uh, him and Brian Cashman got to get together and get the pieces th- those missing pieces that are going to make them a world champion uh, caliber ball club. We've had a heck of a year on the Boone podcast. A lot of our guests uh, came on very timely uh, guest appearances. We had, we had John Lynch uh, right after he was announced that he was going into the pro football hall of fame. That was pretty cool. We had Buck Showalter on uh, right before he got the job as a manager of the New York Mets. There were some newsmakers on the podcast this year, Buck Showalter, you know, he's, uh, he's been a guy that I've always had a relationship with uh, from afar, you know, a hello. I've played against him a lot. Uh, I've played golf with him a few times and, and I've always been intrigued. Buck is a true baseball man through and through. He's been in this game his whole life. Uh, he's actually a good minor league player. I figured that out uh, when we did the podcast. I had no idea. But uh, I think it's good for the game. I really do. I, I think the Bruce Bochies of the world, the Lou Pinellas of the world, the the Tony LaRusses, the Joe Torres. I think that's good for the game of baseball. And and LaRusa got his shot to come back with the White Sox this year. Did a hell of a job. Buck's not going to come in and be the Buck of 1993. He's a smart man. He knows the game through and through. He's going to take uh, the 2021 analytics and data and combine that with his years and years of being in the game. He's just a real rational thinker when it comes to baseball. And he knows the game through and through. He knows personalities. He knows how to manage people, which is the most important thing in this game. I think the game is better for it when, when, you know, we get it. We, we're getting analytical, analytical. You still need the great game, the great minds of this game. Buck Showalter is one of those. I'm happy to see he got the Mets job. I think I think uh, he's going to be really successful there in New York. All right, Booney, let's wrap this thing up by bringing in Dan Levy, the voice of the podcast. No, really, this is my real voice, guys. I promise. Dan, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. All right, let's talk about our favorite guests that we had on the show this year. Dan, who are your favorites? I loved Barkley. I loved Cashman. And even though he wasn't very nice to me, I liked Reggie Jackson. What about Tim McCarver? Tim McCarver was the most disappointed because he's a voice of my childhood. I was I was in Long Island, New York for the 86 Mets, and Tim McCarver is one of the voices and one of the reasons I got into broadcasting and Every time, every time from here on out, when I ask how you do it, everybody, it's it's really just to insult him from here on out. No, because you've got that fake voice. I agree with Timmy, man. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, how you doing? It's a genuine happy person. I know everybody's not used to seeing it, but I am genuinely <laughs> a very happy person who loves waking up every day and smiling and sounding Come like on. it. I can't help it. Booty, if, booty, if you walked in, if you was a clubby. And you walked in every day and Dan oh, goes, bury hey, him. how you doing? <laughs> I'd bury him. I'd say, clean it up. What do you need, Dan? You would love yeah, here, me. Here, uh, let me. Let me tell you this, though, Rich. The human side of me, okay? And, and everybody thinks I'm this sinister, cold guy. I'm really not. Part of me gets really uncomfortable when the guests come on and they maybe they don't t- treat Dan the best. <laughs> because I know how it is, Dan, coming in. Because I've done it to guys before. I kind of feel, but but the more I hear about it, it Dan, he, not that he likes it, but he thinks it's funny. It is good. <laughs> and, and I've had some guys that go, hey, we're waiting for the next guest, next guest to, to get on Dan. I said, you guys are mean. That could be a running gig. I don't like anybody that gets on Dan. I he's, don't he's, mind he's, my, he's my wig man. I, I don't yeah. mind it. I'm just, I'm always shocked when, I, when I'm happy. Hey, things, I'm, first of all, we're all doing this from remote. You're in San Diego. I'm in Chicago, Richard in Tucson. We get people from all corners of the country. So whenever somebody's on and Brett's on at the same time and everything's connecting, I'm happy because I'm like, all right, good. My job is done. And then for some reason, that really takes hey. people off. Hey, you know what, though, Dan? I'll give you this. Uh, 2001 Seattle Midsummer Classic All-Star Game. A young, enterprising uh, sports talk show host named Rich Schreier was sent to Seattle 
to cover the game for Fox Sports, and he got just about every starter on that game on the radio except for one. No. You know I didn't get on? No way. Brett Boone. No way. Couldn't get big. an interview. Couldn't too get big an of interview. a interview. Hey, too yeah. big of a celebrity. Yep. How long? Hey, can I get? You- uh, can I? Hey, hey, uh, uh, Brett, uh, Brett, Brett, can I talk to you? No. Wow. Yeah, that big league. See, I, I don't know that I buy that. Dan, I was always an in, I, I give you a hard time. I tested you. You know, I, I got to see if you got the Mr. chops. Boone, can you please come talk? I got to see if you got the now, chops. Now, now, how many times a day does Brett Boone reach out and call you? A day. Oh, not that's what. But now we're friends. That that's why. <laughs> no, actually, now we so can't get rid of him. Talk to him. Yeah. Now there are so many people that wanted to talk to him. I never got close to him. All right. Here's my favorite guest for the year. Charles Barkley was outstanding. Hands down. Hands down. Um, Gary Sheffield. Really good. Uh, Gary Sheffield was one that I never, you know, and again, I worked in the American League East trying to cover him uh, when he came to town with the Yankees, never really could get to talk to him or anything, have a whole new appreciation for him. I thought he was outstanding. I thought John Lynch was outstanding. The one that stood up, stood out for me, Todd Marinovich. Uh, we had Todd, on Todd uh, talked about all of his demons and everything that he's been through, and it was really, really poignant. And it changed my it changed my opinion and opened my eyes to a lot of things I had never thought about. I will even piggyback on that. And the Doc Gooden was really good as well. I thought Doc Gooden was very candid, very honest, and it was just. He was nothing but present during the interview, and I really enjoyed not even not just hearing about, of course, the demons that are so publicly spoken of him and the things that we know about him. But Brett's got a unique way of making these guys just break down the game and just be very comfortable with him. So I, well, I do enjoy, I enjoy was. watching them with Brett and guys of that nature, kind of just talk the game. One of the other things I enjoyed was the the combination of all the Oakland A's that we had on. From Reggie to Vita Blue uh, to Raleigh Fingers and, and all those Oakland A's, Brett, that told you the story of what it was like playing for Charlie Finley. I thought all of those guys combined were amazing. They were interesting because that time in baseball, they don't get they, they really don't get the fanfare that a lot of these other, you know, franchise organizations got for, for, you know, let's use as an example, the night, the late nineties Yankees, when they won, you know, those four world championships, that Oakland A's team was unbelievable. And it kind of refreshed my, you know, gave me a little bit of a history lesson going back. I, I, I really like talking to the old time guys, the guys that played in the seventies, you know, some of those guys playing in the sixties, just a different game, but the Charlie Finley, you think, you know, I grew up in this game and, and I was so lucky to see so many things and, and my family transcends so many generations, but to hear it, it I'm always learning, you know, it's cool. It's it, to learn about those A's and, and they used to train on Catalina Island and just, the, just the wacky stories where the mustache, I don't know. I, I, I think you're right. I think that's just a cool time in baseball history. I, I tell people now with everything going on with the with the lockout, uh, they need to go back and listen to the Donald Fair uh, podcast where he mm. really kind of broke down and explained things that I had never heard. And I've covered this game for more than two decades. I thought that was outstanding. My wife, though, her favorite podcast of the year was Brett. You want to guess? Drum roll. I would. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was Sue Gale Roll Boone. Sue Boone <laughs> stole the show this year, especially when she told the story when she met Ray Boone, when she met the Boones for the very first time. And I think your grandparents said, ah, she'll never last. Exactly. No, mom, mom was uh, mom was a hit. A lot of people like the mom interview just because it's yeah. so unique. You know, everybody always gets to hear from my family, from my dad, from Aaron. You know, you've been listening to him for years, do interviews, but nobody ever gets to to listen to the matriarch of the family. Yeah. And uh, that was my, she's got an favorites. interesting story. All right. What were your favorites, Booney? Well, I didn't know you were going to ask me. I had to kind of refresh where you guys were bantering about. Uh, I really like that the. the the smart baseball. I, I really liked Sheffield. I, I loved Piazza. I thought Johnny Bench was was tremendous. Um, Chris Sabo 
was a funny one for me. And that's because I know Chris so well. at McDonald's. And he's such a he's such an interesting guy to begin with. But the the way he tells a story, nobody tells it like Chris said, I love that one. I really liked recently we had Warren Moon on. Yeah. And and just shedding light on how great of a quarterback Warren Moon really was. You break his numbers down, ridiculous. I love Tino Martinez. I thought him telling the 9-11 where he was yeah. in 9-11. Albert Bell. I think changed a lot of people's minds. Bell was definitely the most shocking. I did not you think thought, he, I did right. not think he was going to talk that long. Albert was great. Now we're buddies. We talk all the time. Really? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I talked to Albert all the time. You know, Reggie's a great storyteller, and and it's amazing that he he recollects as well as he does. I mean, he you know Jim Palmer, same thing. They just remember every nick and cranny. Palmer's talking to me about 1967. It was game three, and I had a 3-2 count in the bottom of the fifth. And I'm going, it's amazing. But, you know, I I pretty much like all of them. I like listening to the Tim Kirkchens, you know, because they tell a story from a different side of the ledger. I think fans appreciate it. Yeah, I think guys like that, they're just, you know, Jason Starks. And and I just think they're – Buddy Sweeney. Yeah, Sweeney Murty. I mean, they just tell it from a different side. They didn't ever lace them up and play the game, but it doesn't mean they don't have a great perspective and an interesting perspective from another place. Players, I like hearing stuff like that. You know, I can I, I, I go back and forth with any player on anything you want to talk about baseball-wise, but I like getting guys that tell it from a different angle. I think that was really interesting. There's not too many that I don't like, guys. I mean, this is – this has been a lot of fun and a lot of these guys are it's it's great a lot of these guys are my buddies and we're catching up a lot of and some of the guys come on that I've had very little interaction with and I kind of feel it as I go but for the most part I, I finish a podcast and I learn something new and uh, I have a good time doing it you know once in a while it, there's a dud but <laughs> but uh, for the most part I, I always come out of it and go wow that was a really interesting podcast. I remember sitting in the pool listening to Rick Riz tell all his stories. Riz was amazing. Mariners broadcaster, Dave Sims, um, all the Yankee broadcasters, Michael Kay was really good. I mean, really the, good. There, there's some really, really strong ones this year. And I feel bad. You know, I, I just, these just came to mind and I'm probably going to mention some uh, that were more recent because they're fresh in my, in my recollection. But then I go, if I scroll through all of them throughout the whole 2021 year, man, I think, oh, wow, that was a great one too. You know, and you forget, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Joe Madden. I love yeah. talking the game, you know, Joe Madden because he talks the game and he, and it's like, uh, you know, his social was kind of his mentor and they talked the micro and the macro. Oh, that was social was awesome. And it's just a different perspective, but it's really educational. And, and, yeah. and, you know, you, like I said, I've been in this game a long time. I've seen a lot of things, but I'm still learning and, and podcasts like that educate me a little bit more. It's cool. We got some coming up and you know who they are. I won't, I won't spoil it today that are going to be real educational. And I had a really, really good time going through you know kind of out of my comfort zone and into a different genre really cool we got some we got some good ones coming up all right does anybody have any resolutions i don't i don't need make resolutions i just keep doing what i'm doing Dan resolutions is to get back on the Brett Boone diet plan. Oh, everybody. <laughs> well. and, that, and that's what I meant. I didn't, I didn't mean to be uh, to say, <laughs> say it from an arrogant place, but I, I get so sick of January. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get is the, perfect. diet. I'm not going to be mean to anyone anymore. You're going to be mean. You're going to go to the gym for a week and you're going to throw this eating program out the window in two weeks. Uh, that's actually generous. Sure. Is that is that a challenge right there? So don't do that. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Give me one prediction. We'll see you in 2022. One prediction. Throwing you a curveball. Come on now. Uh, the baseball lockout will be averted. It will start on time. Baseball will return. Everybody will be happy. Dan? The Los Angeles Lakers will win the NBA Finals. You are so incorrect on that one. I'm not even going to comment. The Los uh, Angeles Lakers will win the NBA Finals. Uh, there's a team up in San Francisco called the Warriors that'll get Clay Thompson back, and we'll talk about that afterwards. LeBron will start to play at March, and they will be <laughs> in the NBA Finals. All right, my prediction, University of Arizona will win 
the NCAA National Championship of College Basketball. Whee! Is that really is that is that likely? Yes. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Um all right. Well, well Rich, I want to take this time. It's been a great 2021. A lot of a lot of fun I've had, but I couldn't be possible and and two of two of my main guys are on with me right now. Rich is an integral part to this podcast and uh we work uh diligently weekly on on formulating these 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 uh these interviews and we we don't like to make them interviews but i i want to thank rich herrera i want to thank obviously my wingman dan levy for for doing all the technical work and putting up with me and switching times around and and guests he's been awesome liz landry is a is a saint she puts it all together puts it up for us does all the artwork uh, i want to thank my um our partners in DraftKings, and and hopefully this partnership goes a long way into 2022. It's been a fun time. I couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, you guys make it a lot of fun. we got a great team here at the Boone Podcast, and hopefully we'll have this for many years, and I just wanted to throw that, throw that out before we closed. And the newest member of our team, Matt Styes, who's been just crushing it since uh, he's been uh, Matt Styes. New new part of the the Boone podcast. He's out there hustling. He's doing his thing. Uh, welcome to uh, the the Boone podcast team. He's been a definitely a, a welcome a welcome member, and we just added him recently too. So thanks to all you guys. It's been awesome. Let's let's keep kicking butt. It's been great, uh, Booney. Thank you so much for all your uh, friendship support, especially for my family this year. You've been great, Dan. You're you're Dan. <laughs> That's all I get. <laughs> you're Levy. Freaking Levy. Hey guys, how are you? This, I allow this you guys running, to crush me on a game. weekly basis, and all I get is you're Dan. <laughs> he is Dan. I allow you guys to text and call all hours of the day and night, and all I get this is Dan. All right, I'll take it. I'll take I'm it. Trying to be as I want to have a biggest piece of this podcast for today. Is Reggie did or Tim McCarver? Because those are my two favorite parts of the podcast this year. Hey guys, coming on with it. that was the best. And Charles Barkley yelling at me about my golf game. It was. It's yes. been a year. It's been a year. It's well, been a it's year. Been no, Dan, I love you. Thank you for everything. Love the both of you. Thank. You. I mean, it, considering we all got put together, I love the both of you guys. You guys know your family to me, so I've enjoyed all my experiences dealing with each of you. All right, buddy, wrap it up. I no, it's not me. Dan, right, close it, it out. Cl- right, close it out like you always do. All right, for the 2021 Boone Podcast, my name is Dan Levy. I'm the technical director, producer, and the voice of the Boone Podcast, and also Wildcats Radio. The executive producer of the Boone Podcast is Rich Herrera. Digital content for the Boone Podcast gets taken care of by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. While you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boone Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here at the Boone Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. Booner, flip the mat. Let's roll. You got it. Boom.